Welcome to episode number 11 of the Sports Sentiment. I am your host, Nick Urias. And the final four is officially set in the NFL playoffs. Divisional weekend comes to a close. Conference championship ready to begin on Sunday. And divisional weekend, really not the thriller of games that we were expecting. Just kind of good games to have on in your background of the TV in the living room. Nothing special in these games. A lot of blowouts. A lot of games where a lot of trading points between both teams. And these are the best four teams left in the playoffs. They've been the most consistent all year. There's no Cinderella team that has pulled off an insane amount of upsets to get where they are now. The most consistent teams in the NFL throughout the regular season are here in conference championship weekend. And we can't wait for it. You're going to get nail biters. You're going to get thrillers. Insane finishes, awesome quarterback play, physical football. It's going to be absolutely terrific. And we're here to talk about those two games that are happening on Sunday this past weekend and just give everybody a refresher on what happened in those ball games. Let's start out with the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chiefs won the ball game 27 to 20. Mahomes did get hurt in this game in the second quarter. Missed a drive or two, came back, got a bunch of quarter zone shots and got heavily drugged up before coming back in the second half of the game. And this seemed like a game for Jacksonville, like they were in the game, but at the same time, not really. They were trading points back and forth from the second quarter to the end of the ball game. The turnovers for the Jacksonville Jaguars were absolute gump punchers. Without a doubt, what lost them this game. The turnovers were the difference, especially in the red zone. Jamal Agnew had a costly fumble after making a catch in the flat and trying to get extra yards. He fumbled the football. Nick Bolton, Kansas City chief linebacker, jumps on it. That was inside the red zone. So you you just can't make those mistakes in the red zone against the Chiefs because the Chiefs are more likely than not not going to turn over the ball. So you got to make sure that you have a clean sheet on the turnover category. And then down the stretch in the ball game in the fourth quarter, Trevor Lawrence threw an interception. Hell of a play by Jalen Watson, the rookie, late in the draft this year. Kansas City just finds a way to get these young studs to make big plays in the big moments of this game. Guys that you've never heard of before. Jalen Watson comes to the rescue, makes a heck of a play out in coverage to intercept Trevor Lawrence. Those two turnovers were massive for Jacksonville. They ultimately lost the game by seven points. But let's talk about Chad Henney. Chad Henney, once when Mahomes went out and every, everything was up in question while he was getting treated on the sidelines, Chad Henney, how about a 98-yard touchdown drive in the first half to put KC up, back up two scores. Absolutely massive. 15-year vet. When you think of the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, you think, okay, it's Mahomes. When is he ever going to get hurt? And, you know, his backups, people probably think, okay, who in the heck is his backup? He's probably not any good. Chad Henney in the playoffs has came in and made some massive plays when it mattered most. Remember two years ago against the Cleveland Browns, believe it or not, in the divisional round, went on a drive to practically seal the game. 
when Mahomes actually had an injury as well a couple of years ago late in a game against the Cleveland Browns. So Chad Henney, when he has came in into these games in the playoffs, he has absolutely made some big-time plays that have ultimately affected the ball game. So good for him. Just give a shout-out to Chad Henney because he was a big part of this football game that not everybody's going to talk about. But as far as who really impacted this game, come on. It's Travis Kelsey. I mean, we already kind of knew that the Jacksonville defense is very young and youthful, and this is still a rebuilding defense that has exceeded expectations this year. Obviously, their pass rush is good, but their secondary kind of stinks, to, just in all honesty. Still rebuilding on that side of things. One of the worst teams against tight ends this year, Travis Kelsey, what did he do? 14 catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Unbelievable numbers. Travis Kelsey should be getting paid like a wide receiver, if you ask me. He's the definition of an MVP for this team between him and Mahomes and that connection and chemistry. Absolutely unbelievable. But when it's all said and done, just to wrap things up here on this game, Jacksonville, we said at the beginning of the year, if they could come in and just compete in these ball games with what really was year one of Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and this head coach and quarterback getting together and bonding together and developing together. You couldn't ask for a better year. Absolutely exceeded expectations. And this team in the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to make some massive noise for years to come. Let's head to Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, where the Philadelphia Eagles hosted their division rival, New York Giants. Eagles absolutely blasted the Giants. 38-7. to This game wasn't even close. And and I mean it. This game was over at halftime. I mean, 28 to nothing heading into the halftime locker rooms. Daniel Jones and the Giants offense just couldn't do anything. This Eagles pass defense was absolutely terrific. Daniel Jones had no time. The pass rush just... The Eagles played a flat-out perfect game. Jalen Hurts looked really healthy, which was a pleasant sight to see. If you're an Eagle fan, everything was working for the Eagles on both sides of the ball. All phases of the game, they absolutely dominated. And I think in that second half, despite that game being 28-0 to and nobody was really watching it because it was kind of a blowout and the game was pretty much over, you really saw why the Eagles' offensive line has been absolutely dominant all year and why they do have the best offensive line in football. Jason Kelsey at center. Lane Johnson, despite him having a massive injury at right tackle, these guys just absolutely plummeted that Giants defensive line. You want to talk about winning the line of scrimmage? Go rewatch the second half of that ball game and just watch the big boys go to work because that was absolutely amazing to watch and just, just see the Eagles just dominate the line of scrimmage, drill the clock despite them ha up four touchdowns. They could, they could have ran up the scoreboard all they wanted. And the Eagles do what they do best, and that is put up points in the second quarter. We're going to talk about the Eagles in the second quarter and how that could be the key against the 49ers. But just an absolute dominant effort in every way possible for the Eagles. And for the Giants, these guys had one heck of a year, just like the Jacksonville Jaguars. Raised a lot of eyebrows around the league. Year one of Brian Dable at head coach. Wink Martindale had himself just another heck of a year at defensive coordinator. 
Daniel Jones potentially getting the bag. That's a decision to come during the offseason to see if he gets paid by the New York Giants and becomes the franchise guy there up in the Meadowlands. So a lot of decisions to be made during the offseason for the New York Giants. But I think we've learned that Brian Dable is a terrific head coach. And starting next year, you're going to see the New York Giants exceeded expectations with the new head coach and Daniel Jones in year five. Now, people in New York are going to expect some th a thing or two from the New York Giants. But despite them going to the playoffs and finishing 9-7-1, and there are still a lot of questions to come in terms of who's quarterbacking this team next year. Is Saquon Barkley returning? Is Wink Martindale returning? So a lot of things that the Giants are going to have to evaluate heading into next year because this can be a completely new roster in 2023. Let's go to Orchard Park as the Cincinnati Bengals went on the road to play the Buffalo Bills and the Bengals pull off the upset and win 27-10. to This game was the shocker of the weekend, if you ask me. And it's not the way, it's not because the Bengals won this game outright as underdogs. It's the way they won and how underprepared the Buffalo Bills were in this game. I mean, that was an absolute embarrassment. In front of your home crowd, DeMar Hamlin is up in the suites, and it's like they didn't even show up to practice all week, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, Sean McDermott, I don't know what his game plan was in that game, but Joe Burrow and company were able to do whatever they want. Joe Mixon had the game of his life. I mean, that might have been the best game of his career. I know he had five, I know he had five touchdowns in a game this year, but to me... That was the most dominant I've ever seen Joe Mixon in his career. 20 carries, 105 yards, one touchdown. And it was a little bit of everybody on the Cincinnati Bengals side of things. But forget about like the wide receiver core doing their thing because it's obviously one of the best in the league. But it's the way they dominated this game with three backup offensive linemen with, their, with them missing their starting left tackle right guard, and right tackle to come in. And for the Buffalo Bills to not even get a pass rush was just unbelievable. No pressure on Joe Burrow. Clean pocket. Run blocking was just superb on the Bengals side of things. And for Josh Allen and the Bills, I don't know what these guys were thinking. Obviously, I think Brian Dable was a big loss at the offensive coordinator position because Ken Dorsey, late in the year, had a terrible time when it came to calling plays. I mean, absolutely, absolutely brutal. And I think there's a lot of questions to be answered on the Buffalo Bills side of things because it really seems like they're a regular season team because Josh Allen's never won a road playoff game. And when it seems like they get to the big game, sure, Josh Allen plays really good, but they fall just short whether their defense lets them down or coaching late in the game is just unacceptable. So something's got to change out there in Buffalo. I don't know what's going to happen. Sean McDermott is going to have lots of questions to answer. The running back position has to get better. I think the lack of depth in the secondary, the linebackers, the corners and safeties, obviously they had tons of injuries there, but still no excuse come playoff time to only put up 10 points. 10 points! In Orchard Park with Bill's Mafia rallying behind you 
I mean, these guys really are, to all of our hockey fans out there, these guys are the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NFL. I mean, really. So, a massive disappointment if you're a Buffalo Bill fan. Just no sense of urgency in this game at all. The Joe Burrow and the Bengals, Lou Anarumo had himself a game from from a defensive standpoint. Just whatever he wanted to run, everything was just working for the Bengals side of things. And they deserve to advance. And I think you saw that in all these games, the better team advanced in divisional weekend and the Bengals are going to the conference championship game. Our final game of divisional weekend, the Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. Rivalry has been renewed. The nighttime these two teams play together in the playoffs. The 49ers win at Levi Stadium, final home game in Santa Clara, 19-12, your final score. This was a game where 49er offense, neither offense was clicking in that first half. A lot of field goals, nothing was easy. Brock Purdy, we saw him get challenged a lot. The run game wasn't flowing at all, so we had to see Brock Purdy do a lot of things and make a lot of throws in the middle of the field. A lot of tight window throws. George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk came in clutch in this game. And that's a good sight to see. Because even when the run game wasn't going, Purdy found a way to get it done. And it wasn't pretty, but a win is a win. And that's what matters in the playoffs. Doesn't matter how you get it done. Doesn't matter how you get it done as long as you win. And this defense for the 49ers, absolutely spectacular. The linebackers between Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw just and Aziz Alshire just unbelievable in this game. Diamador Lenore got carved up in that Seattle game. Good bounce back game for him. Had an interception. Read a perfect a bad throw by Dak, Dak Prescott and capitalized capitalized on it in a big way. And for the Dallas Cowboys, like, are we surprised by any of this? Was anybody really expecting them to go to San Francisco and actually win this game? I had the Niners winning this game by 10 points. I said it last week. Like, I was confident. I knew that Dak Prescott wasn't going to come in here and reel this team to a victory like he did against Tampa. Tampa was a losing team this year. They were 8-9. and nine. They were a bad football team that just made the playoffs because they played in a crappy division. This San Francisco team with the number one defense the best run-stopping team in the league. The past defense has been a little bit suspect, but held on in this one. Tony Pollard was an absolutely changed the game in the second half. He got hurt, I believe, right before halftime. Just, he was the game plan for the Cowboys. They were going to ride Pollard to the end and just see if it worked out for them. And that injury just put too much pressure on Dak Prescott to actually make throws because Ezekiel Elliott is just simply not good. But I really liked with the 49ers in the second half, how despite the run game not working for them with Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, they continued to run the ball because Shanahan, dude's got a thousand run plays in his playbook. I mean, literally, George Kittle and everybody has said it, that this guy's got every single run combination and variant that you can think of. and Kudos to Shanahan. Obviously, that's his DNA, the run game, and he trusts it, and he didn't break it. And obviously, you saw that Dallas Cowboy run defense finally start to break, and you saw once when 
you get Elijah Mitchell downhill and ready to go and he starts getting eight yards on first and ten. It is an absolute disaster for the opposition. And you saw it there. Niners escape with the win. Wasn't pretty at all. But they go on to Philly and they got their toughest test of the year at Lincoln Financial Field. Can't wait for that one as a 49er fan. Let's transition into the NFC Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Niners go to the East Coast to Lincoln Financial Field. Winners going to the Super Bowl and representing the the NFC. And not only as a Niner fan, but I think as a football fan, you got to just be so excited for this game just because of the amount of star power that is going to be on the field for this one game between both teams. I mean, just literally, like, just on the top of my head, just some of the players that will be in this game. Good luck trying to make a top 10 players list for this game in particular. I mean, you got Debo Samuel, Darius Slay, A.J. Brown, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Jason Kelsey, Fred Warner, Lane Johnson, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa. I mean, we don't even get to the quarterbacks. And to me, that's just amazing. And credit to the GMs on how both of these teams have been structured to support the quarterback. So the quarterback doesn't have to do all these type of things. So credit John Lynch and Howie Roseman for building these rosters and pretty much supporting their quarterbacks, Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts, with all kinds of weaponry in every other position you want to talk about. But as far as this game in particular goes, I mean, this game could go either which way, but I want to I want to take it to the first half because this first half is going to tell me a lot about the trajectory of this game and the way it could potentially go. The first half is massive for both teams. I'd say for the, if you're a 49er fan, you want to establish the run game obviously early with Christian McCaffrey and this Eagles defense. Despite them making all those moves at the defensive line position during the trade deadline, Nadamik and Sue, Linval Joseph, even Jordan Davis is coming back from injury, the rookie out of Georgia. Even with those guys and just the amount of depth that they have on the defensive line, they've been exposed to the run and you could most definitely gash them on the ground. The opposition could, despite all the star power that they do have on the defensive front. So the Niners really need to come out and just drill the clock, move the sticks, just how they've done to every other opponent this year. They got it. Nothing's different here with Kyle Shanahan in this offense. And if you go back to the some of the Eagles' losses, they didn't suffer a lot, but They lost to the Commanders at home. They lost to the Saints at home. Both of those teams pounded the football like there was no tomorrow on the Eagles and just drilled the clock. We're talking 10-minute touchdown drives that the Commanders and Saints did successfully. And the game came down right to the wire, but that's how you got to beat the Philadelphia Eagle team. And we kind of gave you a little teaser on the Eagles' second quarter earlier in the episode when we were breaking down divisional round with the Eagles. And that is stopping them in the second quarter because this is a team, once when the second quarter hits, everything starts flowing well. They're the number one team in second quarter points. They've been 
So if the Niners can really dictate this game and really just take the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands while also running up the scoreboard, that is going to be advantage 49ers. And this halftime score is going to tell me a lot about the second half because, because we really haven't seen the Eagles play from behind in a ball game or we haven't seen them battle adversity in the second half. You notice they always blow their team out of the water in the first half and they could just rely on their run game late in the second half. So interesting to see how this game adapts. Otherwise, the same script goes for Brock Purdy. He's going to have to orchestrate a hurry-up offense and go in this pass-pass-pass offense with the 49ers, something that the Niners really aren't prone to do. And they're another team that you typically don't see playing from behind. And again, it's just out of their element. But I want to talk about some matchups that you should look out for in this ballgame on both lines of scrimmages between both teams. Let's start out with the Niners' defensive line versus the Eagles' offensive line. This is time for Nick Bosa to go crazy in this game. We said it against Seattle, how he needed to have an impact game. Last week in Dallas, he won his matchup against Tyron Smith, even though the numbers won't really tell you that he did because it was Samson Ebukam, among others, really getting the sacks and all the pressures. But he won his matchup. This has got to be the Nick Bosa game. This is, we've preached to the choir the entire year that this Eagles offensive line is the best offensive line in football. And the Niners got to find a way to neutralize it. And Nick Bosa versus Jordan Mailata is going to be the matchup that you're going to want to watch. Because the 49ers last year with Jimmy G at starting quarterback went into Philadelphia in the regular season in week two. And Nick Bosa got to do whatever he want with Jordan Mailata. Got tons of pressure on Jalen Hurts. Sure, the Eagles offense was still adapting with Hurts at quarterback. But still... That game was won on the line of scrimmage with Nick Bosa. And he's going to have to dominate left tackle Jordan Mailata the same way he did last year in the regular season. So look out for that matchup. On the flip side, you know, this Eagles defensive line could rotate 8-10 to 10 deep. They have so much depth on this defensive line. A lot of good vets. Guys that have been in this position before. And I want to highlight because we don't really know what particular guy is going to be on Mike McGlinchey. But Mike McGlinchey is going to have to hold in this ball game for all four quarters. He had a hard time last week against Dallas. Thankfully, that's not Brock Purdy's blind side, so he could find a way to escape the pocket and tuck it and run or extend plays if needed. But Mike McGlinchey is going to have to hold at the right tackle spot for the 49ers. Otherwise, things could start going haywire for the 49ers. Some players to watch in this ball game, and who I think could potentially get in the end zone. Christian, Christian McCaffrey going again in the end zone. He scored in like 10 straight games in this ball for the 49ers. George Kittle, he's had an absolute awesome stretch with the 49ers, getting into the end zone, making impact plays. Obviously, he had that miraculous catch against the 40 against the Dallas Cowboys right down the seam. Wasn't even part of the part of the read on that play. George Kittle found an opening, decided to just run down the seam. And, of course, George Kittle, the jokester that he is, had to make that 
how to make that snag a little bit scary for everybody on the sidelines and everybody watching at home. And Brandon Ayuk, I think he's the X factor in this game. Ayuk is one of the elite route runners in the league that never gets talked about. He has shaken off a lot of his corners that have guarded him this year. And Darius Slay's obviously probably going to be on him. And if Ayuk, if they could find ways to expose this linebacking unit, the 49ers on the Eagles, Ayuk is going to have plenty of catches down the middle, and that could ultimately affect this ball game. As far as the Philadelphia Eagles go, A.J. Brown obviously was not happy the amount of targets that he got in that blowout win last week against the New York Giants. Expect him to have a massive game. You probably think Charvarius Ward's going to be on him for the 49ers. This secondary for the 49ers is going to be challenged because, you know, you got two teams where the Niners love to run the ball and I think they're going to try to play keep away with Hurts. Meanwhile, the Niners secondary has been a little bit suspect this year, especially later in the year where, you know, the Eagles could hit that home run ball and score quickly. So I think this game could get up there into the high 20s for both teams. And it could come down to a game-winning field goal between Jake Elliott or Robbie Gold. But when it's all said and done, I do have the Niners prevailing in this one, advancing to the Super Bowl. I've been preaching to the choir all week long, saying that the Niners are going to win by three. But if you were, to all the Niner fans out there, if you were nervous for the Seattle Seahawks game, if you were nervous for the Dallas Cowboy game, I mean, grab a sweat towel for this game because... It's going to be an absolute sweat job throughout all four quarters. And whoever wins this game between the NFC Championship and the AFC Championship is most definitely going to earn it. Let's transition into the AFC Championship game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Bengals going to Arrowhead, or as many people in the week are calling it Burrowhead because Joe Burrow is 3-0. and against Mahomes in their young careers. Mahomes is going to start, obviously, with the high ankle sprain, and you got to think that he's going to have 14 cortisone shots and a pharmacy worth of medicine prior to this game to make sure that ankle is as close to 100% as can be. And this game, you know, it's just had way too, it's got way too many uncertainties. This game does. I mean, literally, even Vegas is confused on the trajectory of this game. I mean, all of a sudden, the the Chiefs open up as favorites, and then the Bengals are favorites because they don't think Mahomes is going to play. Now, the practice footage comes out, and all of a sudden, the, the Chiefs are favored. So, nobody knows what's going to go on in this game. I think that's what makes this game so intriguing to watch. This game is the definition of of a coin flip, if you were to ask me. I mean... Literally, if you were to ask me to pick a winner in this game, I wouldn't feel confident in any at all. This is the classic sit back, relax, and enjoy some snacks and just watch these quarterbacks duke it out. Watch Joe Burrow make these tight window throws and absolutely sling it around to Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd in the slot. And just watch Patrick Mahomes do what Patrick Mahomes does, even with uh, the high ankle sprain and However it may feel for him, I'll tell you what, I'd take Patrick Mahomes on one leg over a large majority of the quarterbacks that are starting in this league. That's how good he is. 
And he's one of those quarterbacks too. His arm strength is so incredible that he can throw flat footed and on and on one leg and somehow, some way still make plays. Now, with all that being stated, obviously Travis Kelsey is the staple of this offense. He had 14 receptions last week. Jacksonville Jaguars couldn't stop him defensively. The Cincinnati Bengals in the three matchups against the Chiefs with Burrow at starting quarterback. This defense has done really well against Travis Kelsey. And the linebackers are really good between Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson. And, you know, their secondary's been up to the challenge and stopping him and making him the point of emphasis number one. You got to credit Lou Anarumo, who I always tell people that he is a very underrated defensive coordinator. He's one of the top in the National Football League for the past couple of years. And he has stopped a lot of good quarterbacks from doing what they do best and taking away the number one threat in the opposition's offense. But Travis Kelsey has, hasn't really been himself against the Cincinnati Bengals. So it's going to take one of these wide receivers for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm talking about Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm talking about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. One of these guys are going to have to show up in the big moment because I think Travis Kelsey is going to get minimized in this ball game. And I think, you know, with this Bengals secondary, that is the weak link of this team. You could attack on Eli Apple as if a wide receiver puts a double move on him and you just air it out because you beat him on a go route. That's how you're going to have to beat this Bengals secondary. And it's going to take one of those receivers that they acquired in the offseason to have themselves a massive game. I also look out for Jarek McKinnon because McKinnon is not one of those hard-nosed runners, but he's one of those guys that can make a catch in the flat in this Chiefs offense and just all of a sudden take off and burst for 20 yards and drag defenders for a first down. So I look out for him. Obviously, Isaiah Pacheco is going to have his hands full at the line of scrimmage with this Bengals defensive line that is even underrated and has t and have tons of depth with Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader, BJ Hill, the list goes on. So like I said, this is going to be a game where where whoever makes the less whoever makes less mistakes is going to win this game and whoever's more efficient on offense obviously is going to get it done. This is but like I said before, this is the definition of a coin flip and I could see this game going either which way. Between these, the NFC and the AFC championship games, the only thing that would shock me if we had a blowout in any of these games, but should be awesome to watch, and and we shall see what happens. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Sports Sentiment. Obviously, in our next episode, the stage will be set in terms of who's going to the Super Bowl from the NFC and the AFC conferences. So... Next week will be the Pro Bowl where they do that flag football tournament or whatever they're doing for the Pro Bowl now because it's an absolute joke. So we will obviously talk about what happened in these conference championship games and see if our predictions were correct in terms of the game plans between these two teams. And I think we'll also get into some NBA as well. We'll check in on the National Basketball Association Right before the All-Star break, last time we talked, the NBA was about the opening week where we talked about some teams that could potentially be some surprises and take the league by storms and go on a, 
a deep playoff run. So we'll check in on those teams. We'll talk about some others as well. So stay tuned for all of that. Once again, I am your host, Nick Urias, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.